Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, I'm chatting with a man whose combination of Mexican flavors and traditional barbecue has resulted in one of Melbourne's favorite restaurants. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 125 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. And as I said at the top of the episode, we're going to be chatting with a with a pitmaster who's combined his love of Mexican street food with his love of traditional barbecue and come up with a delicious sort of new take on, on a fusion Mexican restaurant down in Melbourne. But before we get into that, I've got a couple of announcements that I want to run by you. The first one is that a new review has just hit the Smoking Hot Confessions website. It's the Grill Gun by Grill Blazer. It's a hell of a lot of fun. It's I had a great time shooting the videos. So you'll find the full review on the site there. There's a recipe attached to it. We did some flamethrower buffalo wings, which were just amazing. If you do decide to get one for yourself, head to grillblazer.com. Use the code word CONFESSIONS for a 10% discount and make sure that you grab the extra shipping option just to sort of expedite the process of, of importing one of them into Australia. It is a great bit of gear and a lot of fun. The second thing is that our free mini ebook is still available for you on the website. So head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com, have a bit of a click around, bit of a scroll through, a pop-up is going to appear and you can put your details in that and we will shoot you out our free mini ebook the beginner's guide to real barbecue and you'll get that straight into your inbox and finally if you're watching this video on facebook make sure you give us a like and a share if you're watching on youtube subscribe hit the notification bell and give us a thumbs up if you're watching on igtv give us that cute little heart and a follow and if you're listening in on a podcast app check it out and see if you can do a five star rating and review for us particularly if you're on apple because they are super important for driving the show up the charts and letting apple know that they should show smoking hot confessions to more people so that would really help us out now in today's episode as i said we are speaking to a man who along with his wife miroslava have combined mexican flavors with traditional barbecue to create a popular restaurant with a very loyal following so of course we're speaking to michael coates from mexican street food so without further ado let's bring michael in here this is the internationally awarded smoking hot confessions barbecue podcast with your host ben arnett how long has it been since your last confession good morning michael welcome to the confessional my friend thank you for joining me how is beautiful melbourne Melbourne is uh, cloudy and overcast, which is just another spring day in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so normal. But normal, normal. They've promised us sunshine. Um, 16 degrees today, so of course I've gone for short sleeves. Um, you know, it's um, just a just another just another day in my in my 5k bubble. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, I was speaking with my mother last night. Actually, I was joking that it's um. It's we're we're in a bit of a cold snap up here on the Gold Coast. I had to actually put on a t-shirt. So uh, I um I'm 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 not trying to gloat, but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty nice. <laughs> so Ter- terrible part of the world you're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm incredibly unlucky here. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, man, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Uh, last thing I barbecued, I did ri- I did ribs, uh, uh, some uh, linebacker ribs yesterday, um, just for myself. Which was nice, um, bit of bit of Lane's signature and SPF fifty three, 
um, in the uh, in the gravity feed at home. Um, eventually, the gravity feed will be will be here, but um, I've got to paint it first. Um, but um, uh, uh, made me realise I need to I need to get a new a new phone or a new phone camera or pull the real camera out more because um, the food tasted a little bit a lot better than it looked in the pictures. <laughs> Yeah, that's much the case with a lot of my food photos as well. My my food gets two minutes between when it goes on the plate to when it starts getting eaten. That's all the time I've got for making it look good. Yeah, Maris Driver started looking at me and say, uh, as I'm as I'm trying to as I'm trying to um, uh, get a good photo, and uh, she said she says to me, "Come on, the the point of having dinner together is to actually have dinner together." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Alrighty, now you you did just mention the the gravity fed that you've got out the back there. Um, yeah. Tell us about that because I know there's quite a bit of a story attached to that. Well, that was a um, it was a project uh, to teach myself how to weld, basically. So I'd um, uh, I, I mean I've been smoking for probably over ten over ten years now. Wow! Um, and it got which started which started with. Um, uh, Miroslava, uh, she's um, uh, Polish, and so they've always had a, a smoker of some sort uh, that her dad had, uh, that her dad had built uh, at home. Uh, and so when we first met, she used to go over to family and um, uh, go for, go for the day, and then um, and they'd make sausages and they make hams and they make bacon and. Uh, all, all the great sm- uh, Polish uh, small goods and um, smoke it in this uh, little smoker that her dad had welded up. Um, so they got me interested uh, and she got me a Weber Smoky Mountain um, for my birthday one year. And so that, um, uh, you know, that, that, got, that got me started on small goods and what have you. And obviously, you know, your you, you needs your needs grow. Um, so as we as we started the restaurant, sorry, I keep looking down as I'm um, thinking. Um, as, we, <laughs> as we started the uh, uh, when we started the re- the restaurant, um, uh, and so the background of the gravity feed um, and why it's why it's not here yet is COVID, um, but why it's finished is also COVID. So um, when we uh, when we started the restaurant, um, first sort of summer uh, opening was um chaotic um we were um using a, a couple of small smokers um you know and the, the meats are part of the, part of the menu um you know and this is very much Muraswava's menu um and um but we do we do barbacoa beef we do uh carnitas uh, so um pork um uh, whole pork shoulders uh, or pork butts. Uh, we do wings on the weekend just for a bit of fun, um, and we were doing all of that out of uh, out of the uh, you know a small uh, Smoky Mountain and uh, uh, and a little hark um, hark fire out the back, uh, and it played, it worked, did, did some stuff with pellet smokers for a while, and um, basically uh, demand was outstripping supply. We were um, uh, we're just running it constantly through the week, uh, which is good. I mean, it was it was just a it was a you know a, a small as I said a small a small part of the menu. About half the menu is vegetarian. That's just how Mexican food is. 
Um, so it's a good mix of, uh, you know, a lot of different traditional dishes, but um, we um, uh, it sort of became apparent quickly that uh, uh, if I didn't, if, if I wanted to be able to keep up, I wanted something bigger. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll build one. <laughs> Why not? Um, you know, I didn't really want to pay. Uh, I didn't really want to pay 10, 15 grand for a, um, particularly at the start of the restaurant. Budgets are tight. Budget, budgets are always tight in in this business. Um, I'd, I'd wanted to learn to uh, weld. I'd bought a welder, started some, done some small things just to sort of teach myself. So it seemed like a good, as good an opportunity as any. Um, so I, spect- I, I sort of scribbled it on, I drew it on paper, figured out I wanted it as wide as, uh, wide, wide enough to fit a couple of hotel pans across and then scaled it so that it, didn't look stupid, basically. It didn't look like it was going to tip over, um, uh, which uh, has it almost as, uh, about as tall as Miroslava, almost as tall as me. Um, ridiculously oversized for what we um, for what we need. Maybe you know, maybe the next thing we open is a barbecue restaurant out in the country somewhere, and it and it gets put gets put to proper use, or we do you know. Um, uh, then, but, um, yeah, so basically I looked, uh, you know, I, I, I looked, I looked online at, at, um, stumps. I looked at, um, uh, I had a good chat to, uh, uh, to Glenn, uh, at the, um, at, um, at Jagged. Uh, yep. Uh, so I had a good chat to him at, uh, Meatstock, uh, last year. Um, uh, where he, he, he specifically warned me not to go, not to go any bigger than you needed because it was going to cause problems. <laughs> uh, of course he, he was right and I ignored him. <laughs> um, um, but you know, uh, when you build something yourself, you can always just cut it open and fix it and, and, you know, no harm, no foul. So, um, so yeah, that, that was kind of, that was kind of it. I started it in summer last year. And then, and we got, we, we just got so busy that I was never going to get it um, finished until uh, and, until the lockdown started. And, and the, um, and the, we've traded the whole way through, um, but uh, not doing, um, uh, not doing, uh, uh, not doing dine-in uh, means my my job front of house. Uh, overnight is is a lot easier, uh, and so I've had more time to do some do some of these other things, get some projects done. Yeah, right. Now we're we're going to get into the restaurant in just a little bit of time. Um, but you also have a really interesting um, cold smoke house in the backyard as well. Uh, so the the cold uh, my cold smoke uh, shed is shed. Um, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, is in actually in the front yard. Um, What's in the front yard, is it? In the front yard, which That's really awesome. had the, which really had the neighbours talking. They, they wondered, I had, is he building a shed? Is he building a, a birdhouse? Because I could see the top of it sticking out over the top of the yeah. uh, over the top of the fence. Uh, has he uh, has he put a uh, an outdoor dunny in, in his front yard? What on? Yeah, you know, what the hell is going on? Um, so the the smokehouse was. Um, I wanted to play. I wanted to play with cold smoking, and I, um, I don't, I don't enjoy the flavour of uh, that you get from um, uh, pellet tubes. 
Um, so I'm quite sensitive to uh, the acrid taste of white smoke. Uh, and so something, you know, something we've noticed when you, you know, things like um, uh, smoking guns and what have you, um, we don't, we don't tend to enjoy the flavour of because it's you don't get this you don't get that sweet clean smoke. Mm. Uh, and so um, again, this was this was starting with a small idea, and it turns into some it turns into something <laughs> massive. Um, and I'd never done any carpentry before, and so this was this was an opportunity for me to have a play with um, you know uh, get some get some new power tools in the shed. Um, uh, have a play with um, uh, with with building something small as a um, uh, something small that's eight nine foot tall um, uh, and and can could easily hold whole animals um, uh, and just uh, set it, set it up for cold smoking and for uh, and for uh, for hot smoking but not not quite barbecue temperatures so. You know, one, one eighty, you know, one sixty, one eighty, sort of, um, sort of temperatures, uh, or right, right the way down at, at cold, at cold smoke temperatures, where, where it's really not getting above, um, the, you know, too many degrees above the outdoor temperature. So, um, that was, you know, best, best of blocks and wood from Bunnings, and, um, basically just Australian. It's, it, it looks like a big big wooden shed, but it's, um, just Australian hardwood, um, which, um, uh, yeah, it was an opportunity, it's just an opportunity to play basically. Now you mentioned um, that you, um, that you're quite sensitive to the, uh, to the smoke from those smoking guns. How do you control the smoke and the fire going into that, um, into that wooden, uh, it's, I'm, I'm not going to call it an, an, an outhouse or call it the smokehouse. So the smokehouse, um, we uh, basically I, I have a, a tunnel of uh, Besser blocks. So of course there, the, you know, you've got you know Besser, Besser block is a, a large concrete brick with two um, with two holes in it, uh, and so you line line those up and you get a you, you get a nice little tunnel. Uh, and now that, now that I've got some welding practice, I'm going to weld up something to um, replace that setup. Um, but basically, I set up a set up a tunnel that was a couple of meters away from the smokehouse, and so then the fire gets built, and still only a small, um, still only a small fire, um, but the, all of the smoke has to uh, travels through the um, uh, through the Besser blocks before it gets and so cools as it travels through into the smokehouse, um, and then when I use that, I basically only use cherry wood, which I find. Uh, one, uh, that's what um, uh, Marisol's family has always used. That's that's very traditional wood to use in Poland. Um, goes great great with small goods. Goes great with fish. Gives fantastic colour uh, and burns re- burns really cleanly. Um, and I was lucky. My brother, um, uh, my, my brother's got a um, a garden maintenance business uh, and uh, had picked up a few cherry trees a few years ago. Uh, which he which he kindly gave to me, so I've put those to good use ever since. Yeah, no doubt, man. That sounds fantastic. And so, to control those temperatures, do you just shorten and lengthen that that Besser block? Um, just, just lengthen the tube and pick. Uh, so, um, 
basically when, when I'm cold smoking, the aim is to keep the temperature as absolutely low as possible. Um, I do all the smoking for that. Uh, all the cold smoking gets done overnight, um, mainly winter. It's useless in like a, a warm, a warm summer's night here, even though it's, you know, the spring is cold, a warm summer's night here will still um, cause the fat in fish to start to slip. Um, like it just gets too, it just gets too hot. Um, I, if it's borderline, um, putting tray, um, hotel tray pans of ice uh, in the smokehouse as well, just to keep the just to keep the temperature down a little bit. But basically, it's basically it's more of a winter thing. Um, so pick pick the time of year to um, pick the time of year to do it. Overnight here is, uh, you know, last last night was three degrees outside. Um, so it's very easy, very easy in, in that sort of temperature to, um, even if the, to keep the food in a, um, uh, food safe temperature range, because you, of course it's sitting there for a long period of time, you cold smoking and you might just cold smoke over several days. Um, so a, a piece of ocean trout or salmon we do for, I do for six hours. That's just, that's an overnight. Um, but, uh, if I, if I'm doing bacon or something, I might light, light it, let it burn through overnight when it goes out, um, you know, come back and light it again. And you basically, you basically give it a you know, two or three days worth of, um, worth of smoke middle, middle of winter. That's really easy in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine that the, uh, the, the temperature would spoil the meat between when the fire goes out and when you relight it. No, no. And I, look, I, I do particularly for cold smoking. Um, but when I'm, when I'm curing, uh, anything I'm, I, I do, I use, um, uh, sodium nitrate, um, or, uh, so, or not, um, you know, so nitrate, uh, helps protect against some things. Um, and it just, um, you know, for that, just for that added, uh, confidence, um, even though even though what it, you know, it really protects against botulism, which isn't common in Australia anyway. But um, you know, you just maintain good temper, maintain good temperatures. I've never, you know, in the in the years that I've been doing it, um, you know, if something's gone wrong before you, like if if you've had a temperature spike, you can tell by looking at it, uh, and you throw it out and you start again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, so you're you're um, from Australia. Your wife's from Poland. How did you end up with a Mexican street food? Like, what was the where where does the Mexican influence come from? So I should I should clarify. Miroslav is my partner, um, not my uh, not my wife. Um, uh, a point of uh, contention in our house. <laughs> in that case, um, I'm sorry I brought that up. I do apologise. <laughs> Um, no, I should have, should have married her years ago. Um, she, uh, so Miroslav is, um, Miroslav came to Australia, uh, when she was young, they came over, uh, at the end of, uh, communism in Poland, brought over, brought over by their, um, family. Uh, and she's, um, but she's been a chef pretty much all her life. She's, um, you know, over, over 20 years. Um, I I come from an IT background. I'm not a wow. yeah, I don't come I don't come from hospo at all. Uh, I come from 20 years in uh, IT consulting, and I there's no way I would have opened a, a cafe or a restaurant 
Um, uh, which uh, there was a period in Melbourne where you'd see people who'd done, you know, 15 years in IT. They drank a lot of coffee and they say, oh, I drink a lot of coffee. I go to a lot of cafes, so I'm going to open one. Uh, and a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of money changed hands. A lot of money went down the drain that way. But um, uh, Miroslava has, Miroslava has been a chef over 25 years. Um, whenever we've holidayed, um, it's been to learn about food. She loves to cook. I conveniently love to eat. Um, <laughs> it's it, uh, it's funny how it works out that way. It's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful relationship. Um, but basically, we um, yeah anywhere we've gone has been to learn uh, learn about food. And she um, uh, you know she used to do um, you know she did Mediterranean when she was younger um, and sort of the, your all of your your, your classic um, cuisines that we get in Australia. Uh, she used to cook a lot of Thai. She worked with a, a Thai chef for a couple of years. Um, used to make all her sauces from scratch. Um, did um, did Thai for for quite a while. Uh, and actually, used to get used to get customers would um, uh, ask front of house to thank the chef, and she'd walk out and they'd say, "Oh no, no, no! We wanted to thank the Thai chef." Oh. Like, well, no, this is the woman that cooked the Thai food. <laughs> um, so. Uh, you know, Amuraswab has always been um, very passionate about um, doing doing the food justice, not trying to um, and this kind of uh, not trying to um, Australianize it or Westernize it. Um, you know, there's so much uh, there's so much great flavour, so many unique dishes. Uh, and so many things that we never saw growing up here mm. in Australia uh, that we really, um, you know, um, I, I, think, I think Australians, when we go overseas, you know, we get this exposure to, um, you know, amazing, you know, ama- amazing food. And so we've, we've been through Thailand, we've been through Vietnam, uh, we've been through Europe. Um, and um, how we ended up at Mexican is we'd... Uh, we took a trip to Mexico, uh, and so and so some of the photos behind me are um, uh, we've got just along the, along the walls in the restaurant um, photos uh, from our from our trip through Mexico, uh, and basically we learned very quickly that we we'd never had Mexican before. We'd had a lot of things that were called Mexican, <laughs> um, but we'd never you know we'd never actually eaten Mexican food, and it was. It was it was bright. It was fresh. Um, you you got you got great meals on every street corner. Uh, the first the first taco we had was out of a foil lined shopping trolley in Mexico City, and business people in suits are lined up um, next to this woman. And in this in this shopping trolley, she's got. Um, uh, tea towels and, and towels keeping everything warm uh, and she's got the tortillas so she pulls out the tortillas and then she's got uh, insulated pots that have got um, uh, she had um, uh, a stew in it and it was a stew of Nepali or um, cactus petals prickly pear petals wow and uh, it was it was delicious, and it just didn't. It didn't matter where you stopped. Every street corner, there was something, something else, and it was it was all good to eat. 
And it was, there were flavors that we just hadn't, hadn't seen here or we hadn't seen, uh, we hadn't seen versions that weren't um, westernized in some way. Uh, and so that was, um, we went through, uh, we traveled through Mexico City, uh, Puebla, uh, Oaxaca, spent a bit of time in, in, uh, in and around Oaxaca City. Um, and Oaxaca as a state is known as the, um, the food bowl of, of Mexico, uh, also home of Mezcal. Um, <laughs> you know, just incidentally, um, uh, and fantastic coffee as well. Um, I had some of the best coffee I'd ever had in my life out of, uh, at a, um, in the market, the central market in, um, uh, in Oaxaca, there's a, there was a family that sold chocolate and they, and coffee the coffee was grown uh, five hours south of where we were um and the chocolate was ground there in front of you they take the coca nibs the almonds wow. the sugar and they put it through the and so different shops would come in to get their blend of of chocolate and um uh so we just um Sorry, I get excited about Oaxaca. Uh, we went through Chiapas, uh, Chiapas, which is sort of the poor, one of the poorest states in in um, Mexico, but also home to uh, coffee. Uh, and then um, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a coffee nut as well. Uh, and then and then up uh, up through the Yucatan um, briefly. But um, we, you know, Miroslava, um, uh, we we're actually supposed to be back there in August this year, <laughs> which didn't quite work out, um, 2020 being what it is, but um, uh, Marisol was really looking forward to going back and visiting some of the people that we'd, that we'd met through there. Um, there was a stall that we were eating at regularly while we were in Oaxaca City uh, where Marisol actually asked the women there, um, can I come and uh, spend the day with you just learning what goes into everything? Uh, and so she brushed, brushed up on her Spanish overnight for um, the words for all of the ingredients. Wow. Uh, and, and then, uh, and how, and quantities and, you know, what's this and how much of that. And, uh, and we spent, we spent the day um, at the market just doing prep basically uh, and, and watching as everything, as everything, you know, um, was brought together for service basically. Um, so, uh, we were, um, uh, we were really looking forward to going back and, and, um, visiting the, uh, the family that, um, uh, that ran that, uh, ran that business as well. But, um, uh, that, that trip was kind of, we didn't go with the intention of opening a Mexican restaurant. Um, and how we, how we ended up with a Mexican restaurant was, um, we actually opened a cafe three years ago. Uh, and, um, our cafe was, uh, cafe was doing okay. Um, but the foot traffic in the area was, um, changing the dynamics of the people were changing. We've got a cinema just up the road. And so we looked at each other and, and a few bars in the, the strip that we're in. Um, we looked at, we, um, uh, we said, well, let's do a, let's do a pop-up. Um, the local area didn't need another pizza place. It didn't need another, it didn't need more Italian. Um, let's do something that we think is um, underrepresented. Yeah. And there, there's some great Mexican restaurants in Melbourne, but it's, it, it's certainly underrepresented compared to some of the other, um, uh, the other um, restaurants in town. 
So we uh, we did a one night pop up um, as a proof of concept. Uh, it was our best day of the week by um, uh, quite a substantial margin. Uh, and we looked at each other at the end of the night and said, well, decision made. Uh, and so we, um, we two weeks later, we closed the cafe and uh, a week after that uh, reopened as a, as a Mexican restaurant doing um, some of the more traditional, some of the, doing some familiar dishes, but also, um, uh, but trying to stick to more traditional recipes for those familiar dishes, um, and then also uh, doing uh, dishes that no one's really sees in Melbourne uh, or hadn't seen before, uh, and things that make our Mexican customers, um, you know, feel like they're home. Uh, and so that's um, we've ended up with a good um, with a, a, a good a good supportive um, support of um, some of our local Mexican uh, families, uh, and they're our they're our benchmark for are, are we getting this right? Um, does this does this taste like home for them? Um, does this remind them of uh, of something? Um, and if we're doing that, then um, we're doing what we what we set out to do. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, Michael. So we're now in, in segment two and I wanted to spend this time talking about um, about what it's been like trying to operate a restaurant in Melbourne during lockdown. Now, you're up to six months now of some pretty uh, some pretty strict lockdown. Uh, one of the things we see in the media up here in Queensland is we see things like military in the streets. We see police in like riot gear. Um, that that's what we're getting in the media. Is that is that fact or fiction? Is that is, is that a media beat up? I look. They're definitely they're definitely there, but I've um, I've never seen I've never seen them here. Um, the um, the police in riot gear were responding to some specific protests. Um, there's certainly been a lot of, um, uh, and I think I, I think we've seen some of this in maybe the uh, uh, media, media like the Guardian or um, ABC. Um, it, there's been a, certainly a, a segment of the community um, sort of. Um, Rallying against vaccines, the whole uh, QAnon movement. Oh movement. God! <laughs> um, and and well and wellness seem to be a uh, seem to have come together somehow. QAnon uh, and the wellness that, industry. Now that's QAnon an, and that's wellness. an odd an interesting article in the AB, in the ABC um, uh, this week about that. Um, but, um, so there's been, you know, but these protests have, um, from what I've seen, been getting, you know, maybe 50 people, a hundred on a particularly busy day. Uh, and they've, they, from what I, from what I've uh, seen on, um, uh, you know, from people who live closer to the area, they've typically been outnumbered by, um, police and the police are turning up basically to stop the protests happening, stop the gatherings happening. Um, so the police are turning up in riot gear. Abs- abs- absolutely. Um, probably more, more common has been, uh, the deployment of the army to, 
um, in the door knocking uh, for people that have tested positive uh, to do the interviews, and and that's that's been feet on the ground um, day to day. We've uh, so for the last couple of months in the sort of uh, in Melbourne's current lockdown, um, we've been required to carry work permits uh, for trade. So we've got we can leave we can leave the house for exercise for food for work um health i think um uh but basically the idea is stay home so if you can stay home if you if you if you have to go out go out do what you need to do get home again um and we um so we're carrying we're carrying work permits because we need to travel outside of our 5k radius uh from home to get stock for the restaurant um so we've got a number of suppliers that we um we don't get deliveries from um we uh we pick up from uh, we try to do that as little as possible as well um but neither of us have ever been stopped we haven't seen you know the the, the ring of steel around melbourne because we're not trying to travel out of melbourne uh we haven't been we haven't been stopped on any roads anywhere there's certainly more um, of an evening uh, when we're open doing takeaway. Uh, there's been um, uh, certainly been um, uh, what they call PSOs down here. Um, so basically, not quite uh, not police. Um, they're typically used uh, on uh, you know, the, on the rail system for in, for enforcement, uh, is where we we would have normally seen them around Melbourne. But um, we um, uh, so they've been doing laps of the laps of the streets, making you know enforcing the curfew basically, uh, and um, making sure that uh, businesses aren't um, flouting the the mm-hmm. rule. So um, we had, I guess, sort of as a as a time as a timeline um, for us down here. Um, back in uh, back in February, uh, you started to see Chinatown in Melbourne deserted. Uh, as um, basically uh, with uh, Wuhan um, uh, infections, yeah, I think it, it hit mainstream media in Australia in about January. Um, so uh, Chinese tourism started to drop off and there was a general sense, and, and unfortunately, um, it's, it's, not un, it's not unfortunate, it's just, it's, it's, um, sad to see that a segment of the community um, was being vilified uh, and actually really upsetting to see that a segment of the community was being vilified because, um, you know, so suddenly, uh, you know, the media starts to, um, sections of the media anyway, start to push the, uh, an anti-China agenda. Yeah. Um, and so we started to see a drop off in in restaurants in um, in Chinatown. We started to see an increase in um, in uh, Chinese people and Asian people in general starting to be abused uh, on the on the on the streets, um, which is just you know uh, so not Melbourne. Um, yeah. Just really, um, you know, I went to my high, my high school, um, two-thirds of my high school were Vietnamese and Cambodian refugees. 
Um, so yeah, it's really upsetting to see old friends getting getting treated like this. Um, but uh, so that was that was sort of February, uh, and then in March, um, I think everyone in probably everyone in the restaurant industry remembers the way the. The, the week leading up and then the uh, and then the weekend uh, where they started to introduce some density restrictions so we were sort of and um, announcements were happening uh, news wasn't really being uh, the um, details weren't being published well a lot of the restaurateurs and bar owners were sort of having town meetings on the street as to okay what does today's announcement mean about what I'm allowed to do mm. uh, so we, we went down to uh, one person per four square meters. That lasted for us two days, uh, and then uh, over the over that weekend, um, it was a really sunny day in Sydney, and Bondi Beach was packed. And and <laughs> I so, remember seeing the photos of that. That was outrageous. And so in in uh, sort of early March, Bondi Beach was packed, uh, and the Prime Minister came out and said, "Well, you can't have nice things." Um, uh, and that was, and that was basically, that was basically it. Everyone had ignored the social distancing, um, uh, recommendations. Uh, and so they became requirements. And so, um, hospital got closed, uh, for dining customers entirely. Uh, and so from March we'd been trading, um, uh, takeaway. We, uh, takeaway, uh, takeaway only. We, we, um, pivoted quickly uh, to takeaway, got a website. We hadn't been a takeaway business. We'd been a dining only business. We've only got a very small kitchen here uh, and we physically don't have the space to have all of the plates you need out for service as well as of all the boxes and packaging. Mm. Um, you know, we, um, uh, so we, it's an, it was an either or uh, scenario for us. So we um, very quickly switched to takeaway, got a website set up. Um, fortunately, uh, my 20 years in IT um, meant that was a pretty quick. That would have uh, helped a lot. Yep, <laughs> a pretty quick process for us. Uh, and so, within a, about about a week, um, we had online ordering up and running. Wow. Uh, we we were doing we were doing our own uh, we were doing our own deliveries. Um, so Marisol was cooking the food, and I'm running the food. Um, we. Uh, had to let our staff go. Um, that was that would have been the hardest part, wouldn't it? That was well. I had to. My brother um, helped us out on weekends, and so you know, first phone call I had to make was to my brother to say I don't have any more shifts for you. Mm. Um, and you know, our our other staff are all locals. You know, uh, all locals in the area. So we and that was that was absolutely you know worse than worse than any news about what was, you know, what was happening to us. And we, we didn't realise it was going to take, it last for six months at that point in time, but having to, having to phone people and phone people we'd only recently hired as well uh, and say, oh, look, I'm, I'm really sorry. We hope we're going to have shifts for you again soon, but um, until, we, until we know what this looks like, um, we, we just can't. Yeah. So we... So we went into sort of takeaway mode that lasted until uh, June. A lot of people don't realise what one and a half metres actually looks like. So we had requirements of one person per four square metres and one and a half metres between tables. And um, I don't know about your local um, 
uh, chain supermarkets, but certainly ours. Um, the um, uh, the marks on the floor as to where to stand are an awful lot closer than the one and a half metres we, we were supposed to be keeping between everybody. So um, we set up our restaurant. We went from being able to seat over 50 people to being able to seat 22. Ouch. Um, and that's uh, uh, so we, we'd lost um, 60% of our capacity. We... Um, uh, We'd never packed people in really tightly into the space. We'd always left, um, you know, I don't know, you know, I've been places where as people get up to go to the bathroom, um, their backside gets dragged halfway, it gets dragged across my table as they squeeze out between Uh, seats. We, you know, we'd we'd never had, uh, we'd never had that sort of, um, that sort of packing them in that, that tightly. But um, uh, so for other restaurants, they were down to um, at that point, you know, 25% uh, of their uh, of their capacity or for bigger venues, less because they're only allowed to have a maximum of, I think it was 20 people in a room. Mm. Um, wow. So, so we, you know, for the, for if anything, we've almost been in a, a sweet spot um, for, in terms of size for the assistance that's been given to businesses. Um, if we'd been a, if we'd been a larger um, restaurant with a much higher rent, um, the grants and what have you would barely have touched the sides of the rent, let alone let alone other costs. And that's that's absolutely why a lot of the industry is up in arms and screaming. Um, other businesses alongside us, though, have you know flourished. Absolutely loved it. Local fish and chip shops. Best East, best Easter ever. Um, but your fish and chip shops in country Victoria, devastated because that's, you know, um, Christmas through Easter is their prime season. They've had bushfires and then, uh, and then no tourists. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, that's, been, uh, that's been tough. But we basically, we got a, we got a month um, before we've gone back into this second um you know, heavier set of um, heavier set of uh, restrictions. Um, Funnily, the last the last night before the last two nights when when they announced that the restrictions were coming back in, uh, were a couple of our busiest nights for the year. Uh, we went online quickly. Um, we made some decisions about a lot of restaurants have dramatically changed uh, menus. You see fine dining in. Melbourne doing um, fancy lasagnas and um, uh, opening up bus shops and just to keep something uh, ticking through and keep the brand out there. Um, sort of a, a lot of the decisions we made along the way were about um, uh, keeping everything uh, keeping everything going, keeping enough coming in in the door, but also staying true to the brand that we'd um, tried to set up in the. Uh, uh, in the first place and stay true to the concept that we'd set up in the first place rather than, you know, it would have been, it would have been easy to, I think, to start doing burrito bowls because they travel, they, you know, they travel well, you can hand them to a, uh, someone on a scooter and they'll, they'll look the same when they get to the, mm. the, the, the destination. Um, it would have been easy for us to, um, you know, go to a, a simpler menu and go back into the, what people expect 
um, of Mexican in, in Australia. Um, but what, what we wanted to do was, uh, and, and what we've been fortunate to be able to do is actually um, grow the visibility of, of the brand, um, particularly in the very, in sort of the hyper-local um, bubbles that we're, we're all now, um, that we're all now living in. Um, we've had, um, we've had a really amazing um, uh, takeaway group uh, for the area come, uh, come together on Facebook. Um, which we found out about when our customers started recommending us uh, on there. Uh, and so basically um, a group of locals have... Um, sort of uh, rallied around you and your and your restaurant. Exactly. And rally, rallied, so around, rallied around all the local restaurants. And so um, that's become... Uh, it, it, and it actually turned out that the, uh, our, the one in uh, Northcote, uh, Thornbury area, uh, has become... Uh, uh, perhaps the biggest, uh, the biggest one of those groups in uh, in Melbourne, uh, and so we've got this um, really engaged uh, uh, group of locals who want to support local because they want they want they want the high street there when they um, when when all of this is over they want the bars to still be there they want the restaurants to still be there, uh, and they know that if they're not supporting local then. Um, there'll be a whole lot of Felice signs instead. Yep. Uh, and you and you know we're seeing that you, you see that um, uh, elsewhere. But um, so we've been we've been fortunate with that. Um, we've been fortunate with the business structure. Um, it's put us in the right in the right position for the way the government grants have been uh, and the government support has been structured. Um, VicGov uh, got money to businesses very quickly. Uh, and for our size, it was, you know, money that mattered. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, it's, it's not nowhere close to actually opening your restaurant, um, but it pays the bills. Yeah. Um, it took several months before we got the, we got the announced funding from the federal um, government. Um, but, um, you know, Victor was really great. Liquor licensing um, have actually been, um, really supportive of the industry and help help move to help us move to takeaway um, from a licensing perspective really quickly. That's a and sentence I've never heard anyone ever say about liquor licensing that they're, no, that they're uh, so look, helpful. <laughs> liquor li- licensing was um, I, I got in contact with them before the takeaways started to ask about um, uh, getting a, a takeaway license. And they were already finalising a policy, um, uh, and within a week uh, they had uh, sent out the application, and they processed it within two days. Wow! Um, to, to enable us to to um, extend our our license to doing takeaway. So um, no, I never th- I never thought I'd be praising liquor licensing for their responsiveness <laughs> either. Um, uh, and so that's. Um, you know that was uh, uh, that was great for us, and in the early days, um, bars weren't allowed to open. You could only open if you had food, uh, and so we did a lot of. Um, you know, we still did some alcohol, um, but for a restaurant, thirty to fifty percent of a night's takings are liquor. Wow! Uh, and so, uh, and that's you know that's pretty that's pretty standard. Um, one of the reasons to uh, pivot to a restaurant rather than a cafe as uh, people are. People are um, happier to spend uh, a bit of money on um, margaritas uh, and beers, 
um, uh, whereas coffee, coffee doesn't have the same uh, value attributed to it. Um, but um, uh, even though a coffee can actually be take uh, more effort to make, but um, uh, we, you know, we, within a few weeks, of course, everyone stocked up at Dan's. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of the takeaway alcohol side, uh, dropped off pretty quickly as well. So, um, we, we have, we have nights like Friday and Saturday night, we might do as much food as we would do on a, uh, on a, a reasonable Friday night or a reasonable Saturday night. Um, but without the, um, the drinks without, takings. Uh, without the, 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 the liquor takings, um, you're still down, you know, you're down 50% on, on what an average night might look like. Yeah. Right. And then we, of course, with the most recent lockdown, uh, we moved, we moved back to, um, just pick up takeaway rather than delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that one, a lot of our customers just want, want a reason to get out for a few minutes and getting it. <laughs> coming down and grabbing dinner is a, is a, is a great reason to be out of the, um, out of the house. Um, a lot of our customers are just really supportive. And even when we were doing deliveries were, um, wanting to pick up their order to make it easier on us. Um, you know, uh, cause they knew that it was us doing the, um, doing all the legwork. Yep. Uh, so a lot of our, a lot of our customers were picking up anyway. And so we, um, we um, put delivery to the side, uh, and that might, you know, we might lose one or two orders a night, um, or you know, a handful of orders a night. But the the effort versus um, having you know an extra pair of hands in the um, in the restaurant when Marisolva needs me to fetch things from the cool room, because um, of course I, you know, it, I should I should be very very clear. Marisolva does all the hard work here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm front of house. I do the tech, I do the, I, 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 I do the accounting, I do the, um, you know, uh, dealing with government departments and all of that sort of thing. Um, and it, but uh, when it comes to, um, all of the prep, make, making the food, making the food a complete meal and taste and fantastic. Um, that's, that's very much, very much her department. Yeah. Beautiful. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, that's, that's probably a good place to, um, seeing as you are giving praise to Miroslava, to to give us some, put some shout outs and some thanks out there to people that have helped you along the way and tell everybody where they can track down Mexican street food on the internet. Absolutely. So, um, look, as, as I said, um, we... We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have opened the business um, if it wasn't for Marisuava's passion for um, passion for food. Um, I think um, you know in terms of shouts, uh, who you know what, what's helped us. Some of the local businesses, um, uh, Purple Emerald, is a bar um, maybe a k away from us. Uh, during the brief period, we were allowed to trade um, uh, in-house. Um, we were referring customers to each other. Um, a lot of the a lot of the businesses on the on the strip, um, uh, the Northcote Bake Shop, uh, uh, is um, very active and uh, is one of the admins for this Facebook group. 
Um, and that, that, and that Facebook group and they're just the local, the local Northcote, Thornbury, Preston, Fairfield community, um, have, um, really pulled together for local businesses. Uh, and I think that's been, um, yeah, that's, that's really been the, um, the, uh, the biggest help for us over the last, um, over the last six months. Um, Suppliers, I've, I've got to mention Sard's Quality Meats in um, uh, Queen Vic Market um, uh, because when the when the res- travel restrictions first came in, um, first thing Harry did there was um, Harry said, look, I'm, if you're unsure about whether you can travel or not, I'll, I'll come and deliver everything to you. Um, and even our, even our veggie guys, the Marino brothers, um, who uh, have to pivot when they lost eighty percent of their eighty to ninety percent of their customers, ouch! Because uh, they they're, they're restaurant suppliers, uh, and so they've pivoted to doing um, uh, online veggie boxes. Interesting. Um, so uh, they've they they're now delivering all around Melbourne um, uh, crates of veggies fresh from the um, from the wholesale uh, market. Yeah. So otherwise, it's you know as I said, it's it's the two of us. It's the two of us. So um, which is why you know I open open and close with Mur- with Muraswaba. We. Um, you know, it's hard. You, you, you have, you have some day, you have some days through this where even though things are going okay, um, you have some days where the weight of the world is just on your shoulders and you just, you, you need to have a, you got to have a cry, you know, you, you just, you can't, uh, you can't hold it in. It, it just gets, it just gets too much. And, um, you, you just, you, you have to have each other. Um, so, um, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm exceptionally lucky. I get to, I get to do the fun stuff that I enjoy. I get to, I get to do the meets and, you know, I, 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 I love that. Um, and I've had some, I've personally had some extra time to, to do things like build smokers and what have you. Um, Basically, because I'm too slow, I'm too slow on the knives. Um, she yeah. just she can't she can't watch me cut anything. Um, but I'm I'm just so proud of um, uh, of what she turns out of this kitchen every single day. Um, so sorry, it's all, right, uh, all right. No, no, no. So um, you know, it's been. Uh, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting six months and, um, you know, we're really looking forward to the restrictions easing off in a few weeks. So already starting the planning for, um, for the next stage of, uh, predominantly outdoor dining, we're told. Beautiful, man. That sounds like a great plan to have. Well, look, thanks very much for for taking the time out to to come on the show today. I realize that uh, the Monday is your day off, so I appreciate you, um, you know, sort of working and doing some PR with me, doing some marketing with me. I I appreciate you spending that time. No, well, thanks, thanks, um, thanks very much for ha- for um, for having me. It's, um, uh, I mean, you, you would know. I, I like to, um. I like to talk. <laughs> you know, we like to be. We're, we're pretty. We're pretty social creatures. You don't get in this. Um, in this game, otherwise. 
Um, and, um, yeah, so um, Mexican, Mexican street food um, in Northcote in Melbourne. Um, uh, Mexican street food, Northcote.square.site. I was supposed to throw that in somewhere, wasn't I? That's um, all right. That's all good. <laughs> thanks. No, but thanks very much. It's, um, you know, uh, I, you know, um, I enjoy the podcast. I, I really enjoy the Friday night beers as well. Um, even if I'm wandering around while doing, while doing clean up here. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it, it's, um, it, they've been, a, they've been a really good re- reminder that it is easy to keep in touch with people as well. And, just get a taste of a taste of the outside that we're that we're so uh, uh, so looking forward to. Yeah, well, listen, man, I'm I'm going to say take care of yourself and take care of that lovely, hardworking partner of yours. Absolutely, and, um, I, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Beauty, thank you very very much, mate. Have a great day. You too. And there you have it, family. That was Michael from Mexican Street Food. What an incredible story! First of all, not just about how he's or how he and his partner are blending. Um, Mexican cuisine with traditional uh, barbecue flavors, but also what it's been like to to run that restaurant that they've built from the ground up um, during such harsh times and the way that they've adapted and they've evolved uh, because of that. You can see the passion that that they have there and the the emotions that have come up throughout this interview while we've been talking about what they do and and how they do it. And I think that there's a lot of important takeaways for for everybody in there who's um, who's who's, you know, down on, on the ground at, at ground level in the restaurants, in the trenches, you know, there's a lot of takeaways for you from this interview. So thanks very much to Michael for taking the time out to, to, uh, to share that information with us. Now, just before we go, just a quick reminder, if you are watching on Facebook, give us a like and a share. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, a subscribe and a little notification bell. So you get notified every time we upload a new video. If you're watching on Instagram TV, give us the cute little love heart and a and a follow. And if you're listening on a podcast app, give us a rating and review because that really helps us get the message out there. And Michael did mention the 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 Friday beers. If you are interested in having a bit of a catch up, we do something in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. Um, we did it every every Friday night during the first lockdown, and we're doing it. At, it's a little bit ad ad hoc at the moment, but um, Michael's not the first person that's that's mentioned to me how port, how important it's been. So we might look at reinstating that soon. We did one j- just last Friday. We might say next Friday we'll do another one. Um, so we just catch up using Zoom, same as what we're doing here today, and just have a beer and a, and a bit of a chat about what's going on. So if you'd like to be part of that, make sure you join the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook because that's where I drop the links to join there. And so that's all the time that we have for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>